Have you ever been called to a task or something that you're supposed to do and you just weren't quite sure how you're going to do it? Does that ever happen to anybody? Yeah? Some of it will happen tomorrow or the next day when you get to work. Yeah. This is what I want you to do. Well, how do you want me to do it? I don't care. Just get it done. Have you ever been told that? Yeah. Uh, they probably regret saying, I don't care. Just, just get it done. By the way, you only have $5 to work with. Um, you know, if, if it's your boss, they may give you a, a money parameter there. We've been, we've been talking about reset, and we began the year talking about God reset us. And, and really the idea was, was let's, get, let's, let's just kind of go back to the basics in our relationship with God. We talked about that that begins with, God, would you reset my heart? Would you just get my heart right with you? I want my heart to be aligned with you. And, and then we talked about, God, reset my mind, uh, my, my thinking. Just uh, re- replace my thinking, uh, actually, replace the world's thoughts and ideas with your thoughts and ideas. And, and, and just kind of get me back in tune as I, as I think with you, God. And, and then we talked about, God, reset my hands for service to you. Lord, help me to to do the things that you want me to do. And and then we moved into Reset Church Edition. And, and that sounds a, a little bit weird, but you know, sometimes we just need to kind of kind of re- hit the reset button and just kind of get back in line with where we originally were, where we're supposed to be. And and so we began by by kind of talking about who we are. That's our vision. And we talked about that that who we are, we are Christ followers first. This is how we describe First Baptist Church Cloudcroft, we're Christ followers. That, that's where it begins. We are somewhere on our journey with him that we follow him. That means everything else in our life is centered around him. Then we talked about that, that we're not only Christ followers, but, but we're the household of God. So we, we call ourselves, we, we say that we're committed family. That we have a commitment to one another in the body of Christ in this church. They were committed to one another. I, I was talking with someone uh, the other day, and they were talking about uh, their, their church family, and they said, you know, it, it is family. We, we have strange people in our family. <laughs> but they're family, and we're committed to them. We don't always like the people in our family, but they're family, and we're committed to them. We, we might disagree, and, and, and I know this would never happen in your families, but you might get angry with someone in your family, hypothetically. But we're still committed family. That's who we are. And then finally, we're not just Christ followers, we're not just committed family, but we're compassionate friends. You see, we're not here for us. That, that there is a community outside of here that, that we are called to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so we're, we're compassionate friends. That, that we go outside these walls. Uh, um, just a, a quick little language lesson. The, the word that we get, um, church, is actually a German word, Kirche, that, that, that means the Lord's house. And, 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 and that, that's kind of a neat thing. You know, we, we're coming into the Lord's house, but, but we kind of get that a little bit confused. And, and you'll hear me later. I, we do this all the time. I, I'll say, um, coming to church. Biblically, we are the church. Congregation is a good translation of that word uh, from Greek. We are the church. And, and as that, we don't exist inside these walls that, that we are to go out and, and that we're compassionate friends. We want to be known as a people who follow Jesus, who are committed to one another, and who care about 
those outside of these walls. Compassionate friends. So Christ followers, committed family, compassionate friends. That's who we are. That's our vision for us. Uh, our, our mission uh, really is, is the same that every church has. We just, we just talk about it a little bit differently. In essence, our, our mission is to make disciples. The way that we phrase that is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes that, that, that begins with those who, who don't know Jesus yet. Those who haven't come to, to a, a faith in Christ. And, and, and our goal for them, our mission for them, is that we lead them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's someone who met the Lord years ago. And, and, and they, just, they just need help growing in their faith. What do we want for them? We want to lead them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's someone who's been walking with the Lord for 50 years. You know what we want for them? We want to lead them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's what happens. We kind of forget that this whole this thing of following Jesus is always accompanied by life change. And whether you met the Lord yesterday, 10 years ago, 30 years, or 50 years ago, we want you to be in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We want you to know Him in such a way that day to day, week by week, month by month, at least year by year, you are different because you're walking with Jesus. That's what we want for you. That's our mission. How do we do that? That's where we come to today. Our strategy is the how. How do we accomplish that? Well, I don't know. Let's pray about it. No. We, we have chosen a, a very simple way to, to describe it. And it goes like this. Invest, invite, do life through Christ. Now, you can't just say that to somebody without explaining it to them. Uh, it, it has a, a, an inkling, an idea of how we, we propose to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. But but you need to explain it a little bit, and, and I'll just tell you, our biblical basis for those, we, we get the first part of that from John chapter 1. You guys know the story probably. Uh, Jesus uh, is calling his disciples, and, and he's with, with James and John and Peter and Andrew, and he calls them uh, to follow him, and they do. And, and then he goes along, and, and there's, there's Philip, and there's some others, and he calls them, and, and they said, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. And and so they go and they see and they become followers of Jesus. And then Philip, he, he goes out, this is verse 43 in John chapter 1. And it says, the next day, uh, Jesus decided to go to, to Galilee. This is where he calls Philip. He found Philip and he said, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip went and found Nathaniel, his friend. And he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Man, that was a slap. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not going to pick on any place around here because you might live there and I don't want to offend you, but you, you, you can imagine, can anything good come out of, you know, whatever town that is, you know, Waters, I don't know. And, and Philip stole a line from Jesus. <laughs> He said, come and see. Come and see. And, and, and so the, the, that's part of where, where we get the, this idea of our strategy. How, how is it that we, we propose to, to, to go out from here 
and, and to seek to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We can't change them. We can't change ourselves. They can't change themselves. We want to introduce them to Jesus, and we want them to come to faith in Jesus in a way that he changes their life. Now, and, until they're glorified and made perfect in heaven. And, and so we, we really kind of broke that down in, into three things. The first one is invest. If you want to lead someone into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going to have to invest in relationship with them. Now, I know there's people that just have a gift. You know, they, they just, they're walking in, they're, they're in line at Walmart and they bump somebody and they come to faith in Christ. I wish I had that gift. You know, they're, they're on a plane, they sit next to somebody and, you know, in, in an hour and a half, the person's come to faith in Christ. That, that they're, they're just people with the gift of evangelism. Boy, God just opens opportunities and, and doors for them. Billy Graham was one that was amazing. A, a story I heard Chuck Swindoll say one time about the, just the spiritual gifts. He went to a Billy Graham, this is Chuck Swindoll, and he's in Dallas now, but uh, went to a Billy Graham crusade and, and you know, you've heard of Billy Graham and, and just the way God has used him amazingly. And Billy Graham gave just the gospel message and Chuck Swindoll said, I can do that. I mean, there's nothing profound about it. I mean, everybody knows that. I could do that. Then, then he gave a simple invitation. Just really plain, simple. No, no jazz, no fluff. Just a simple invitation. And Chuck Swindoll said, I can do that. And then... The stands emptied into the field, and Chuck Swindoll said, I can't do that. <laughs> for, for most of us, in order to lead someone into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to invest, we're going to have to invest in somebody in relationship. I know, who has time for that, right? <laughs> Relationships are usually kind of messy sometimes. They're inconvenient Oh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Vacation Bible School. Uh, <laughs> ministry, life is just kind of that way. And, and, and so w we know that, that in order to have an impact for the gospel in this community and, and beyond, that, that we are going to have to invest in people in relationship. You, you've heard it. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Invest in relationship, and I know that that's harder I've been on mission trips, maybe you have to, where you go door to door or, or you go to a specific place and, and, and you've, you've just learned usually a tool of evangelism and you go and God uses that and you can lead people to faith in Christ and that's cool when God does that. When we think of investing in someone for a relationship in order to lead them to faith in Christ, we're like, oh, they're going to they're gonna realize that I'm not perfect. That doesn't take long for me. I'm going to have to watch the way that I live among them. And if I'm not careful, my actions could invalidate my words. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, that's exactly what we see in Scripture. Philip went to Nathaniel, a friend, and basically said, I want you to come and meet Jesus. You know, come and see. You, come see for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Come see for yourself. Nathaniel could have said, I don't think he's really the Messiah. Philip's profound answer would have been, come and, come and look for yourself. You come and find out for yourself. But you have to invest in relationship with them. And, and let me quickly give you kind of three ways that you can begin to think about doing this. And, and 
It, it's kind of a little pithy way to put it. But, but the first one is people you know. You already know people that you can, you can help lead into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's, it's your friends, like, like Philip did with Nathaniel. Maybe it's your family. We all have family members who, who don't know Christ, or, or maybe they just need help growing in their relationship with Christ. It, it might be your neighbors, you know, and, and we all say, who's my neighbor? <laughs> um, if you live around here, you might have to go a few houses before you get to a neighbor. It, it might be your coworkers people you work with and i remember he ended up becoming a really good friend of mine but we're going through this uh little study for evangelism called uh becoming a contagious christian and and we're going through this and god really got a hold of this guy he's with the german air force and and he just it just hit him like a ton of bricks he said i can't share jesus with my co-workers i'm a jerk <laughs> he had a better accent i can't duplicate his accent and boy, God just used that to totally change him. And he went from jerk to Jesus follower at work. And God's called him into the ministry. He's a pastor now in Germany. Maybe it's your coworkers, But it's people you already know. The second one is places you go. We all, even in a little town like, like Cloudcroft, we all have places that we frequent, we go all the time. Maybe it's the gas station. Wherever you get your gas, you, you get there the same place. If you're like me, it's the cheapest place around or wherever the little light comes on. Uh, that's where you get gas. Uh, maybe it's a grocery store. Sometimes in Cloudcroft, that's the same place. Um, your gas station, your grocery store, maybe it's at the bank. Uh, um, if it's me, and this would have been top in my list, it's the coffee shop. Um, yeah. Thank the Lord for Black Bear, just right across the street. I... That's been, my, my goal was to pick Thursdays and make that like my auxiliary office, you know, kind of. I can't get any work done, sit there and talk to everybody that walks through. But maybe, you know, maybe it, just the places that you already go, God's already put people into your path that you can, you can invest in, in relationship, real relationship, not phony, fake, you know, not a Facebook friend. We got, I have a thousand of those. Um. Some of them I sort of kind of know. Um, anyway, some of them that I went to, I moved my senior year in high school. Most of those people don't remember me. Um, apparently, I've never been invited to a class reunion, but poor me. Um, but it's people that God's already put into your life, real friends that you can invest in, in real relationship. And then the last one is seeds you grow. So it's People you know, places you go, and seeds you grow. And, and, and by this, this is what I mean. Sometimes, if you're praying and if you're looking, if you're saying, God, show me, sometimes it, it's, it's almost like you know, God just highlights somebody for you. And he says, you know what? I'm going to intentionally befriend this person. I'm going to intentionally seek a relationship with this person so that I can share the gospel with them. In, in life, now that's hard, but just in life. You can't just live it out, you've got to speak it too. The, the gospel is spoken. But it's people that you're intentional, that not some hidden agenda somewhere, you know, not, not just something we get them to pray a prayer and we drop them like a hot potato, but somebody that you can, you can become a friend to and a friend with, that you can lead them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's all invest. 
So we invest in people, in real relationship with them. The second one is invite. So we invest, but, but we also invite. You guys probably heard these stats before. 67% of Americans say that a personal invitation would, have, would be effective in getting them to come to church. Did you know that? That's two-thirds. Y'all weren't impressed with that at all. I can tell. The, the church that, that I came from was a, a larger church, and I remember one year for Easter, we did a 10,000-piece mailer. How do I know it was 10,000-piece? Because we had to stick the labels on every one of those. We had a pizza party. 10,000-piece mailer. You know what impact that had? We don't either. We couldn't tell. And then we ran across a statistic like this, that two-thirds of people say that these are Americans that, that say, you know what, if someone invited me, that would be effective in, in, in me going to church with them. 86% of people who came to church for the first time came because they were invited by a, a friend or, or a family member. That's most of the people who come to church for the first time. You got a few weirdos, you know, like, like, like us, who you go somewhere and you look for a church, you know. But 86% of people, that's almost 9 out of 10, come. The, the reason they came is because somebody invited them. It helps if you say, I'm going to take you to the coffee shop afterwards, or we're going to go eat lunch afterwards, I'll sit with you. Those kind of things. Relationships matter. And, and so we invest in a relationship with them, but, but then we invite them. And you don't just have to invite them Sunday morning. You invite them to the other things you do. We, we try to, we'll talk about this just in, in a couple of weeks, but, but, but we want to partner together as a church. We want to partner together with you to, to, to give you things you can invite people to. Maybe it's a fellowship. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's, we, we have a harvest festival that we do out here with big bounce houses um, in a gaga pit. You know what a gaga ball is? Um, I've been banned. My finger's not the same. That was October. But invite them. And then finally, the last part of this, uh, we phrase it this way, that we do life through Christ. And for this one, we look at Acts chapter 2. I, I, I love this picture of, the, of the, the early church. The church was just birthed by the way, uh, awesome thing when you can plant a church with 3,000 people. Peter did that and, and the apostles. Actually, God did that uh, through them. So, so th this brand new church, and, and, and so it, it started in, in Acts chapter 2, and then we, we read kind of kind of how that, that played out. I'll read it to you. Verse 42. And they, the, the new disciples, the new Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, I love this one, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That means I have 15 minutes. I'm kidding. Glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Isn't that a cool picture? 
You get that? They didn't just go have a class together once a week. They didn't just come together for worship once a week. Man, they did life together. Now, now, I'm not saying you need to go sell everything you have. You know, we'll throw it in pot. That sounds like a commune kind of thing. I'm not saying that. That's what they did then. That was way cool. But, but let me just get, kind of give you quickly some things that I see from here that, that for me means doing life together through Christ. One, they studied the Scripture together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Um, th- th- this sounds real biblical. It, it doesn't really. It sounds real mundane, but, but it's biblical. They, they hung out together. <laughs> It said that they, they, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. They, they hung out. They were together a lot. They just couldn't get enough of one another. Isn't that a cool picture for the world of people who are following Jesus, who love each other enough that they actually like being with one another? By the way, may as well get used to it. We're going to spend eternity together. Yeah? Now, that's going to be a big city. Um, if you don't want to see me, I guess you don't have to, but hopefully you'll want to. They hung out. They loved each other. It, it says they, they took the Lord's Supper together, communion like we're going to do here in just, just a bit. But because they were so thankful, whenever we, we, we take communion together, it, it's really a celebration. It sounds kind of weird, but a celebration of what Christ has done for us. The, the whole basis upon which we can come together in one body. They prayed together. By the way, this is fun. Try this sometime. When you're mad at somebody, ask them if, if they'll sit down and pray with you. You ever tried being mad at somebody while you're praying for them? Some of you are like, ooh. Picture this. You're in the middle of a fight with your wife. We don't do that, but I've heard about it. <laughs> and you say, you know what? Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Do you think that'll, that'll kind of take the wind out of the sail a bit? <laughs> Let's just pray. They prayed together. They, they took care of one another. I'm not saying you have to go sell everything you have. And, but whenever they saw there was a need, listen, they didn't have to have committees. I don't see any committees in here at all. There's a need. They took care of it. Isn't that cool? Wouldn't that be neat? Y'all are getting real quiet. You're scaring me. They worshiped together. They, they gathered at least once a week. Said so they gathered in the temple. They, they worshiped together. This is the celebration that we come together for once a week. All, all the work is done outside of this, but this is a celebration. And, and they got together and they just worshiped. It's celebrating the things God was doing. They got together in one another's homes. <laughs> I know what some of you are thinking. Can, can we just do FaceTime? I mean... Doesn't Skype have a way that you can like get a lot of people together? Listen, there's just something about being together. When, when you get together in, in one another's homes, and, and we know they're Baptist because it says that they ate together. <laughs> Fellowship. You know how do you spell that? F-O-O-D. No. There's something about when you sit down at a meal together with somebody and you share a meal. They hung out together. They did life together. That. It, it might sound like a weird strategy to you, but I, I just that's kind of what I see in Scripture. We invest in, 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 in people's lives. We, 
We invite them to come and meet Jesus. We invite them to, to things, to fellowships, to, to worship together with us. Invite them into your life, really, and then you do life together with them. You walk with them through the tough times. As an early Christian, I met the Lord at 15. As an early Christian, I didn't really get that whole thing. You weep with those who weep and you rejoice with those who rejoice. But listen, that's just doing life together. Sometimes we don't have any words to say with somebody. The best we can do is just hug them and cry with them. Man, does that mean a lot. We're happy when we can rejoice and celebrate with them through, through, through the different things in life, a, a, a marriage or, or the birth of a child. We, we just share life together with them. Invest, invite, do life through Christ. That, that's our strategy. We want to keep things simple because I'm pretty simple myself. And, and that's what we're called to do. I, I want to give you two very specific things uh, that, I, that I want you to do at least one, real, another two. I really have three. So I'm a pastor and I like threes. If you'll look, th- this one may look different, but if you'll look in the back of a chair in front of you, I want everyone to find it's all the way over on the right-hand side for you. I want you to find that little card and take that out. I didn't see some of you move. You got that card? Hold the, hold the card up for me so I can see. I'm going to come and grab one for you if you don't hold one up. Are you having trouble finding it? You got it? This is just a tool. But but would you take that card with you and invite somebody this week to come and worship together with you? Now, I know what some of you are saying. We're not from here. Well, invite somebody on the way out of town. I don't know. You, you do this for your church, wherever you are. Invite someone this week to come to church. And you might say, I don't know who. I don't know who I can invite. I promise you, if you ask God, Lord, show me who I should invite to church. He will. But you've got to watch. He will. I know, I know who I'm going to invite already. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to go steal her. Um, I already invited her once. Um. Wow, that's not even in my notes, but it's in yours too. There, there's a, the rule of seven. Did, did I skip that one? The rule of seven. You know what that is? I, I tell you really simply, you can't just invite them once and think it's going to happen. Uh, pe- people in marketing know this, that it takes seven touches, or, or for our, our purposes, seven invitations before they actually respond. In marketing, they, they know that. That's why, do y'all notice those pens? Take one of those pens out, those little blue pens. Yeah. Give that to somebody and invite them to church. <laughs> Here, use this to write my number on the back. No. It takes seven touches, seven times, seven times before them, before they, they actually like respond to an ad. Now we know we're not selling anything. But, but the same principle kind of holds true. Yeah, just invite somebody one time and think that's going to happen. I already invited this lady once, and she said, well, when I was little, my mom drugged me to church, and I didn't seem like it was a pleasant experience for her. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to invite her with a card this time. And I'm going to invite her a lot more. She's either going to come or she's going to start running from me. And it's a small town, so that's hard to do. But I want you to invite somebody. 
Invite them to come with you. And then the second one, you can go to that next slide now, Warren. The second one, look, grab one. It's in the back. Now, it, it's almost all the way to the left. It's just one card from, from the far left, and it's a fellowship group card. Now, we tried this before. We're going to do this a little bit better. We had one person sign up before. You don't have to fill out another card. You're the one that signed it. I, I've got you down. I want us to do fellowship groups. Here's, here's what a fellowship group is. We, we've been involved with one for years, and they don't even go to our church. We, we met last night. Uh, some of them don't go to church anywhere. Uh, a fellowship group is just a group, and you just meet once a month to do something. Our group that's been meeting for years now, we usually meet at someone's house, someone in the group, and, and we just have a meal and just hang out. Does that sound complicated? And, and so what we want to do, we, we want to help you enter into life with one another. So we want to do that through fellowship groups. Don't just have to you decide what you want to do in your fellowship group. They finally, after two years, got the Family Fun Center open uh, down in Alamogordo. Um, so I'm telling you, our fellowship group, one of our first things is we're going to go try that place out. You can bowl, I'm not doing lazy. I'm not going to do anything where I can hurt myself anymore, maybe. Uh, I know I can hurt myself bowling. Hey. But, but if, you're, if you're here, I want you to sign up for a fellowship group. And you know, might say, well, I don't have time for that. Make time. <laughs> Make time. I want us to do life together. And, and then, this is my second and a half thing, or my third thing. Um, we, we have some of these books. If, uh, we have them just out in, in the foyer. It's called. It's written by Tom Rainer, uh, who just stepped down as president of, of Lifeway, um, and it's called "Becoming a Welcoming Church." And we're going to talk about this in, in a couple of weeks, um, because you may be you may be thinking this: What if I invite somebody and nobody talks to them? What if I invite somebody and they don't like it? We want to partner together with you. We want this to be such a loving, welcoming place. We want to take down any barriers, any obstacles uh, that, that, that might keep somebody from coming or keep you from inviting somebody to come. When you invite somebody, we, we, want, we want them to just be overwhelmed by the love and the kindness and the welcomeness that, that comes from here. And so maybe if you, this is just a good read anyways, uh, pick up one of these books. Once you read it, drop it back off so someone else can. It doesn't take long. It's like only 100 pages maybe. Wow. It's 101. Um, because we, we want to, we want to invest in a relationship. We want to invite them and then we want to be able to do life together with them. Not the package or choose a chair, or whatever you would call it now. But because we want to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, and this is our strategy. This is how we plan to do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us. Got all of this, we, we, we talk about all these things and try to find ways to, to, to phrase it so that we can, we can be about that and remember it and do it, but 
Lord, we, we know that all of this is because, because Jesus came to save sinners. And that was us. God, I don't have to think very hard to think back to this 15-year-old teenager who was lost. <laughs> no hope, no purpose, no direction. And God, you just reached down and grabbed me. And I thank you. God, I don't ever want to forget that because I know that there are people who are without hope. That there are people who are, are, are just wandering in life. They, they know that there's an emptiness and they don't know what it's about. And, and God, we know that that's you. And that because of our sin, we're separated but you loved us enough that you provided a way through Jesus on the cross that, that the one who knew no sin on the cross took our sin, that he became our sin. And then God, in, in a way that we'll never fully understand, you poured your wrath out upon Jesus. The punishment we deserve, he took. And because of that, you exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And for those who believe, those who trust in Christ for salvation, that God, we have a right relationship with you just because you love us. God, we thank you. Don't ever let us forget, Lord, the treasure that we have in you. That that's something that we are called to share, the hope of the gospel of Jesus with the world around us. Father, as we, as we come now before your table, God, we celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because Jesus is the only hope of salvation that we have. He's the author and finisher of our faith. It was because his body was broken for us. It was because his blood was shed for us. And in his blood, he made a new covenant, one of grace, one totally of you, none of us. So that we could walk rightly with you and experience life the way that you intended. From now and into all of eternity. Father, we just want to say thank you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.